0: What's up, everyone? Good morning and welcome to Shaw Local's Bears Insider Podcast. And, Sean, yeah, it is a it is a cold morning across the Chicagoland here, man. Um, hope, uh, hope that uh, you were able to stay warm yesterday at Soldier Field. That was one of those games where anytime they showed a crowd shot, um, I was sitting there going, I'd re- much rather be on my couch watching this today or up in that press box than on the field
1: yeah i was fine i had no complaints but i i i knew several people in the stands uh, several friends and stuff were in the stands on on sunday and and it looked mighty cold and and it was cold even just the walk from the the parking garage to the stadium was was not fun i mean i obviously i wouldn't have
0: been able to go no matter what but i i had a, t- a friend text on saturday evening saying like they had an extra ticket to the game if i you know i wanted it i was like you could pay me and I would not go sit out there in the cold and, and watch that football game. But Well, uh,
1: and you know, the, uh, the announced attendance was under 50,000. And so uh, anyone complaining about uh, uh, the Bears potentially moving indoors, uh, they didn't exactly show up for the, for the cold weather game yesterday.
0: <laughs> good morning, everyone. Is Carlos Santos injured? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, we'll get to Cairo Santos in, in a little bit, Mike. Um, but yeah, good morning you uh, to you, Rick. Mike B., a good friend, already in the chat. Good seeing everyone this morning. Um, yeah, and that just goes to show you because there is enthusiasm about this team still, despite being 3 and 10. The announced crowd, though, under 50,000, we, we've reached that point of the year, even where the enthusiasm is still high for a 3 and 10 team, that's it's like, it's just not really worth it at this point. It's but, just
1: so cold. And yeah, you know what? At least there wasn't any snow or. or Uh, anything uh, like what was going on in Buffalo on uh, Saturday night. And at the end of
0: the day, the game that people, you know, if you were sitting in those stands, you got treated to a pretty good football game yesterday. And that's really what we're here for, obviously, uh, to talk about this morning on Shaw Local Bears Insider Podcast. Of course, you can find all of our content at shawlocal.com. Plenty of coverage from yesterday's game. We'll have follow-up today from Hall. Sean will be out there. You can follow Sean on Twitter at Sean underscore Hammond. You can follow myself on Twitter at Kyle Neighbors. And, yeah, you, you go into that game yesterday, and none of us expected I, There were very few people, I'm sure very few Bears fans, that even expected the Bears to win that game. But they go into that first series. You have two false starts. You have the false start on Ryan Griffin. You have a false start on Braxton Jones, at, at left tackle, You have the injury to Equinemius St. Brown after they overcome those two false starts on a a nice passing play over the middle. He gets a concussion on making that reception, took a really hard shot to the head. Then obviously the very, very scary situation with Tevin Jenkins, all this occurring on the opening drive. And I thought to myself, Oh God, like this, this is the game we've been waiting for where things really go off the rails. But lo and behold sean you know like i said they lose the game but overall there's still plenty of positives to
1: take away there were a lot of scary moments in this one and yeah that that first uh, honestly it was the first like four uh snaps uh from scrimmage where where all that you know the penalties and 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 the injuries eq and and tevin jenkins uh that the, the jenkins one in particular was was obviously a really scary situation and uh, Matt Eberflus confirmed that he did go to the hospital yesterday but but didn't really tell us a whole lot more than that um, I, I imagine we'll we'll probably find out some more uh, Monday afternoon when, when Eberflus talks again and hopefully Tevin's uh, uh, doing okay uh, we just know it was a neck injury it was pretty serious and uh, he went down and and he he didn't uh, you know his legs were kicking but he didn't uh, uh, even attempt to get up and that was that was a scary situation that brought out the you know, put him on a, a, I forget what they call it, a backboard or, or whatever, not, not a stretcher, but you know, they, they had to lift him up and, and, and it wasn't good, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there was, there's another scary moment later in the game where Justin Fields leaves the game and, and nobody exactly knew what was going on there. Um, turns out he was just cramping up again. Like, like we saw in that, I, I believe in that Atlanta game where he was cramping up and yeah, uh, he told us afterwards, he's just going to take an IV every game before the game and, and, that's that's his plan moving forward. So is are we, hey, are we whatever whatever you need to do, right? I'd say
0: are we moving into Carlos Zambrano territory if you remember that? Like he used to have the issue cramping up here in starts and he like I believe it was like talking about eating more bananas before he starts and <laughs> stuff like that. Um yeah, I mean you are used to or you expect it like early in the season and, and in warm weather, like a December game where it's barely cracking 20 degrees at soldier field, you don't expect to see cramping issues. Um But you know, at at, at the end of the day, that's not that's not really a big issue. The the big issue is Tevin Jenkins, Uh, and I I do think it's a good time or it's good to spend a bit more time on that. Sean, Uh, Rick, as you kind of already mentioned, Rick had asked any word on Tevin. Um, We I'm sure we're gonna find out more at Hallis Hall today. Um, The Bears aren't gonna. I I don't think the Bears say anything until Matt Eberflus addresses uh, the media and. So if anything came out, it would probably be from national writers at this point, I'm guessing. And I haven't seen anything. So Rick, um, between now and then, I I don't think you're probably gonna see uh anything. We're probably gonna be waiting until what time does Matt uh Matt talk today?
1: Um, I believe he's at uh one o'clock or maybe noon. Um they just sent out an updated schedule. I gotta double check. Okay. Yeah, he is at one o'clock. Yeah. And so man, that that Tevin
0: Jenkins injury. Um, I mean it's it's scary to begin with. Just for any player, but particularly you—you you feel worse because, you know, he's a well liked kid in the locker room. You saw it after the game with the way his his teammates talked about him. It's a kid that really battled through. I I hate when people talk about battling adversity, but this is a case where you had a kid that was a a you know a potential first round a high draft pick and him going in the second round really struggled his his rookie year because you know. Uh, way down on himself going into the year obviously we don't know the, the exact details of what happened but things were weird in training camp to say the least and he comes back ends up finding a role in that guard position really excelling and then to end up on the on the turf yesterday in that state um and it was it was a weird injury too Sean like it's a neck injury but I'm sure you've seen the replay like he, there isn't clear trauma right like it, it, he didn't take a blow to the head so there's a bit of concern there when you know that he, he's got a history with the back injury, like he's already having a, you know, they've had the, the, what I believe a hip injury.
1: Yeah. I think he year. had a hip injury uh, earlier this year.
0: Yeah. And, and now you got this. Um There's a, a certain level of concern that even goes beyond the, the normal level of when you would have an injury such as
1: this. Yeah. It, it's totally concerning. And you're right. I mean, Tevin, having- had a a a heck of a season or has had a heck of a season after all that weirdness in training camp and and find you know the struggle to find a spot for him to play on that offensive line for for a few weeks there and then you know he finally got rolling at that right guard spot and and he's been one of their best linemen arguably their best uh all season you know he's he's been uh really solid at that right guard spot and uh, for, for him and the team that that has worked out perfectly you know that's exactly what both of them needed Tevin just needed somewhere to play somewhere to get a starting spot and and the Bears you know they were looking for a right guard for a while they were trying a bunch of different guys out at that spot and uh, somewhere and
0: somewhere to uh, and, and somewhere to build his confidence I mean you, yeah. you I mean you're around him a lot more than I am, but like he is clearly a young guy that has excelled at every level and like They talk about him or like they wanted him to be a mauler, right? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't playing with the confidence that allowed him to develop that. And his confidence was clearly way down going into this year. And I think him finding that spot and being able to excel there and settle in, it brought that back out in him.
1: Yes, and you know what? Being around these guys just a little bit in the locker room, you can see how that confidence uh, affected him in the everyday, you know, he, he was, uh, uh, Tevin is like a a really, you know, he's kind of a quiet dude, but, but he's also like a really, uh, well-spoken and, and, and thoughtful guy. And you can see like just the, the way that he interacts with his teammates and, and, and the media and stuff when, when, uh, you know, things sort of got rolling there for him. Like, uh, he's, he's been in a really good place and that's awesome to see, uh, considering where we were a, a few months ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I guess what I'm trying to say there is like, you've been around locker rooms enough. Some guys are really good at hiding their emotions and the way they feel, and some mm-hmm. guys wear it on their sleeves, like any human being does. And Tevin is certainly seems to be a guy that it's a little easier to get his body language to know where his confident it is. And you, like as you were getting there, you could see it in his, his in his face the way he the way he talked, way he interacted with his teammates, with the media. Um, you could see it building into something special. So, yeah, you, you, there's a little ad- added
1: concern because of that. So um, Matt Eberflus, you know, he did say after the game that, that the initial news he got from the medical staff was positive. Uh, you know, take that to mean whatever you want. Uh, but hopefully, you know, hopefully Tevin's okay and, and you know, he's going to be back soon. I, you know, who knows uh, what exactly that means as far as playing football. Um, you know, there's only three games left. Uh, it, it obviously looked like a pretty serious thing. It, it, it wouldn't be surprising if, if we don't see him the rest of the season, Kyle.
0: Yeah, it, it wouldn't be. Uh, Rick in the uh, saying uh, in the chat here, uh, some were saying that it could have been a stinger. Um, and then he had followed up with Corey and said that. I hadn't seen that from Corey. I went back and watched the game again this morning, Sean, though. And that was actually my thought again, um, or my first thought today. I, I kind of. I wasn't on social media a ton yesterday, so I didn't see the speculation. But having gone back and watched it myself, that was my reaction when I saw it because it was kind of up in that left shoulder area, got wrenched back, and he continued to block before falling down. Like I said, it was odd. Mm -hmm. That does kind of make me think that, that, that it looked like and it sounds like a stinger, the way it developed, the play developed, or the injury developed.
1: And it could be one of those things where you know, anytime you're talking about a neck or, or head injury that, that looks serious, they're gonna they're gonna be as cautious as possible with those things because uh, because you don't want to you don't want to do anything wrong in, in those situations. But yeah, we'll we'll find out more uh, from Matt Eberflus this afternoon. So Micah might be checking in here, and it says as good
0: as the coaches showed going into and out of the New England pseudo by talking about having what 13 days off. I can't remember 11 days off. It was a Thursday night game, then all the way to the Monday night game. So, yeah, a lot of time. This was as bad of a showing for the coaches as we've seen. Uh,
1: what do you think, Sean? I mean, I think you can get on them for having penalties on the first drive and, and looking a little sloppy early on in there, but I don't know that I would always necessarily blame that on on the bye or not. Um, sure, you had two weeks to sort of prepare for that drive, but um, I also think that – Things looked so good coming out of that mini buy because of all the changes they made on that offense. and and I didn't didn't expect them to make wholesale changes with their offense this time around. You know, they finally figured out something that was working after that mini buy. and and I don't necessarily think that they needed to to change something that that has been working the last few weeks. I actually,
0: I thought it was a pretty impressive performance from the coaches yesterday um now there were certainly moments and there continues to be moments that caused me concern but you're going to see that in any nfl game like none of these guys are perfect now i'd say that they're occurring at a higher level than maybe you you want from the you know your top coaching staff but like what i guess i would say is like the decision not to kick the field goal in the first half rubbed some people the wrong way and i certainly understand that i like being uh, aggressive but like you're talking about an offense yesterday that was without Darnell Mooney, without Chase Claypool, without Nikhil Harry. You're running a complete I, – I, I'm looking not to sound mean here, but like guys that are bottom of NFL rosters are out there as you're starting one and two receivers on the first series – you're already really thin on the offensive line. You barely have been getting by with your offensive line, and then you lose by far the guy that's been performing the best on that first drive. Justin Fields took five sacks in the first half, and anytime time they tried to drop back on anything of significance, he was under pressure. So what, I, like, I, I, I don't know how much you can take away from the coaching staff being a little more conservative yesterday when you put all that together, Sean.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing, uh, you know, Cairo Santos said, you know, his distance in, in that weather that day, you know, they go out before the pregame. They, they, you know, he might have his distance in a, in a you know, a, a, a perfect scenario. He sure he knows that. But every day, every game day, he goes out there and kicks before the game and, and says, OK, you know, I'm hitting from from this yardage and not this yardage, uh, you know, and that, at a place like Soldier Field that changes each each day with the weather and and yesterday he said his, his range was 45 uh, that kick was obviously a little bit longer than that um, but certainly you know it, it's less than 50 yards it should be a, a kick that an NFL kicker can make um, but you know if if Cairo Santos comes out and says uh, you know I, I can't make this right now what's Matt Eberflus supposed to do uh, you know I don't. You can certainly send him out there and, and have him kick the field goal and give it a try. And and Cairo did say that that if the game were on the line, he would have given it a try. But in that situation, uh, end of the first half, there you're trying to to pin a really good Eagles offense. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with with that move in that spot if your kicker is telling you that. Yeah,
0: and I, more than that, I think. He- Kyro Santos kind of gave it away a little bit when he said like if the game was on the line, because and and so I'm going to pull up here. We'll go with we'll follow up with Mike when he was in. so the coaching problems he listed up here for us mm-hmm. penalties. Treston Ebner on second and eleven. Cole Komet one on one blocking Hassan Reddick using Alex Leatherwood for spike, punting from the thirty one. I'm going to try and break all this up penalties. All right, you want to put that on the coaching staff, particularly that first drive two false starts that fine. Treston Ebner on second down, like. That's the thing, like, David Montgomery isn't playing 100% of snaps. Now, are you upset that they used him on second and 11? Yeah, I get it, but, like, they want another running back for that potential, like, right, or that position. Like, that should have been Khalil Herbert. He's out, but, like, they're, like, all right, we're going to put the rookie that we drafted in on this position. Like, Cole Komet blocking one-on-one, yeah, shouldn't have happened, but also you talk about the coaching staff made uh, adjustments. Justin Fields took five sacks in the the first half. The offense didn't look all that great. He took one in the second half. They moved the ball a lot better. I would say that's adjustment. Using Alex Leatherwood for spite. Like what else are they supposed to do with the injuries on the off the line here? Like they want to get a look at a guy that they traded for, a Young Talent. Like they're not trying to win football games, Mike. Like they're 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 trying to do things to to set them up and find out what they have.
1: Yeah. And, 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 they're doing it in, in subtle ways too, like that, you know, those aren't necessarily like the, the big, you know, you're not throwing Tristan Ebner out there for the whole game. Uh, and, and with regards to like the, the Cole Komet one-on-one with Hassan Redick, like, you know, the other team is trying to try, they're scheming to try to get those matchups and, and, you know, every once in a while throughout the game, you're going to be at a disadvantage in a spot like that. You know, they're going to put a guy here or there where you weren't expecting or, um and, you well, know ideally he, he, ideally he, Cole Komet would have some help in that situation. Yeah and and this is what we don't know. So that that was clear. Right we'll never we, know all that stuff.
0: Yeah like we don't know we want to say did they put him in a one on one situation okay but did the Eagles yeah as you said line him up and did Justin Fields not properly recognize it like we don't know what exactly happened in that situation there because it was yeah obviously he needed to have help in that position but who was the person that needed to get the help in place there Mm -hmm. you know was it a bad play call that they should have seen coming with the way it was lined up against them yeah did the Eagles surprise them did Justin miss it you know there there was several things there we don't know exactly what happened on that play the fact that like I said, that they made the adjustments at halftime, the offense looked better in the second half, I think is encouraging.
1: Yeah. I mean, they found a way to make this a one score game and and to give themselves a shot at the end. And uh, it was really nice to see Justin Fields after dealing with the cramps and and going back into the locker room and, and, you know, he comes back out on the field and the crowd gets excited and uh, he stepped in there and and it's almost like he didn't miss a beat And, and they were able to drive down the field. I know Byron Pringle, You know, they they caught a break that the Eagles completely lost Byron Pringle on that touchdown throw. But still, uh, you know, you found a way to score a touchdown and get yourselves in the game. Um, and, And, you know, that's against a really good team. And, hey, the defense, you know, came up with the stops that they needed. You know, I think I think I don't know about you, Kyle, but I was impressed with with what this defense was able to do against an Eagles offense that has been, you know, rolling through everybody. I was particularly impressed with the
0: secondary because the, the secondary r- in particular, yes. yeah, the, the the pass rush still, still not there, still not there. Um, they did get home maybe twice. I can't remember offhand. Um, they got definitely home at least once. At, definitely at least once I remember. But Joe there, Thomas
1: had the only sack of the day for the there.
0: Past. There were times, particularly in the first half, where they weren't getting great pressure, but J- uh, Jalen Hurts was having to hold the ball and the bears were able to make plays based on the fact that their secondary was playing so well down the field. And it's encouraging because that comes after a week where the bears secondary played better than expected against the Packers with all those guys out. Now, obviously you had three starters back this week or two starters back in Jaquan Brisker and, um, and Kyler Gordon, Uh, but Jalen Johnson uh, played really well yesterday. And it's so funny. You look at the, um, they look. or You look at the 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 totals for AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, and you're going to say, "Well, like AJ Brown just put up his best career game." And by the, way, I got I I got an AJ Brown rant coming up in the Tennessee Titans um, that I've been thinking about all morning. But uh, yeah, they the the, the secondary played um, really well considering they were playing the number one scoring offense in the NFL.
1: Well, yeah, and and that's why you got to watch the game uh, and, and take the stats. Uh, you know with a grain of salt or or, or just you know understand what you're watching because yes AJ Brown had a career day yardage wise but you know I thought Jalen Johnson actually played a a pretty good game against him and and really you know that big 68 yard uh, completion is is what really uh, set those numbers over the top for Brown and uh, sure uh, Jalen got beat on that play but he was right there Uh, you know he was he was maybe half a step behind him uh, and I thought there were several times throughout the game where, where Jalen got the best of him, and and really, Jalen said it after the game, like like you just got to make every single catch hard on him, and and that's in that cornerback position, that's he all you can do. Part. He I did, did there, for the most part. There was, I
0: believe, it was the second touchdown when they went up seventeen to six. Um, it was a, a, a Hurts' second rushing touchdown. It was a sneak, but AJ a. Brown was tackled at the one yard, yard line on a play down the right side. I believe it was the second touchdown, um, and. It was a ball that was a perfectly thrown ball on the outside right shoulder to the pylon. Jalen Johnson had himself in perfect position and it was a perfect ball from Jalen Hurts. And it was a great catch from one of the top receivers in, in, in the NFL. And at that point you tipped your cap. Um you
1: talking about at, the play where he was like down at like the two or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you can't you can't stop that. That was that was perfect on both ends for them.
0: Yeah, and now this is where I'm going to go into my A.J. Brown rant because I, <laughs> anyone who's been listening to this for a while knows that I love A.J. Brown. Um, but I, I'm going to use this as an example about the dangers of and, and how quickly front office decisions can can go awry because you're looking at – everyone wants to talk about all the money the Bears, the Bears have to spend this offseason, like all the cap room, all the cap room, all the cap room. But really, it doesn't take long for things to go off the rails. Like you look at Tennessee, right? This is a franchise that everyone felt good about the last couple of years. Like they're like, oh, they're getting the most out of Ryan Tannehill, like Derrick Henry with these explosive plays. Well, the issue was they had their mistakes, and like they had to make some tough decisions. Like Ryan Tannehill, they trade for him, they pay him, they give a large extension accept- to to Derrick Henry. Like they end up with these contracts to where AJ Brown still on a rookie deal. They made the decision of they were going to trade him, and all of a sudden you took one of the best offensive players, one of the best wide receivers out of the game, that vertical piece out of their game. Yeah, also, great. You have Derrick Henry still in the building; he's super good. But without having AJ Brown to take the the top off those defenses, the Tennessee Titans offense became a lot more one dimensional. They're struggling this year, and I'm just saying that that is a a, a point just one point where that changed the the future of a franchise or like the, the contention window potentially of the Tennessee Titans. Now it's different with the Bears because you have Justin Fields in place. But all I'm saying is like it, it's just kind of funny and, and everyone thinks that it's it's super easy. But like they they you know at the end of the day they end up trading a superstar and it's gonna set them back several years.
1: Yeah I mean you can you can say you know if you don't want to pay the guy trade him and just draft a first round receiver exactly what the titans did but it's not that easy you know it's it's not a one for one deal and um you know that's that's a maybe a little bit what's uh scary a little bit about the the roquan smith trade is that there's a similar situation obviously very different positions um you know i don't know that you necessarily want to be giving out the type of money that that roquan smith was demanding or or that we think he was demanding anyway but um, yeah, those those types of deals can can make a big difference. And on the flip side, you know, you got the Eagles who who really have elevated their their wide receiver position, which was already pretty good last year. Uh, and, and AJ Brown is is just you know added a whole extra element, and and that's the reason why they're they're doing so well right now with the best record uh, in the NFL. And, and yeah, you look back on the on the Tennessee side, Kyle. Are the Jaguars going to catch them in that division?
0: <sighs> Jacksonville coming on all of <laughs> a sudden. Um... <laughs> they're only
1: a game out. <laughs>
0: yeah um (laughs) it's amazing what happens when you have competent coaching uh on a team like Jacksonville compared to last year um how quickly it starts to look like a real NFL franchise um I don't know um I I like what I'm seeing out of that team but going back to the AJ Brown stuff that I was discussing and and what Mike B was talking about the the coaching and uh, the coaching stuff I have less concerns like there are you shouldn't feel sold on Matt Iverflus and his staff. Uh, there, are certainly, there are certainly concerns about clock management and and a little bit on um, personnel use. But I, I think you've got to take that with what the roster is. Now, I think you can have more concerns about the current state of the roster because you start looking at it and, like, the young players that you're really liking, Justin Fields, not a not Ryan Poles draft pick, Darnell Mooney, not a Ryan Poles draft pick, Khalil Herbert, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. I mean, y- you're not talking a lot of, lot of guys in this class outside of those guys in the secondary. And I get it. Like, it was, it's his first year. It's, it's a rebuild, but like, you, Tristan Ebner's not looking like he's going to be useful. You know, we got Rick talking about Butterfinger. He called him Butterfinger mm-hmm. Bayless Jones. Another opportunity to impress yesterday or to try and make an impact. Didn't do it. Um, there There's not a lot that you look at right now. And a young player, one of the few guys like that, you Jack Sanborn leaves that mm-hmm. game, which by the way, feel really bad yesterday. Him leaving that game. Hopefully, it's not something that but he was an undrafted rookie free agent. Like you're you're starting to look at this draft class and you're worrying that they're not getting enough out of it. And then the free agents that they did sign. And we knew this going in. Right. I, this was, I think, a lot of people's concern and certainly my concern that they didn't do enough for free agency or they didn't take big enough swing. And it's kind of funny or ironic because I'm talking about being careful in free agency. But it's I think there should be more concerns about Ryan Poles and the coaching staff.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I think Mike actually has a comment in here. uh, uh sort of along that same line like if you're if you're not uh blaming the coaches then you have to talk about ryan poles and 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 yeah i mean there's you look at what they've got i, I mean i don't know what i guess we can talk about valus kyle i mean another fumble from valus jones um another you know that's that was one of your high draft picks that was one of your you don't have a first round pick you're, you got two twos and a three and um you know, they they pass on wide receivers with those those second round picks and, and here you are with a a wide receiver who's got what, like twenty-five receiving yards on the season and, and three fumbles, two on special teams. Uh at what point, you know, we've been saying all year, you know, keep giving him chances. At what point does that stop, Kyle? We've reached the point
0: that we're concerned is merited about any of the draft picks because he's you know, the or, any of the guys that have seen substantial play that are struggling, um, whether that is Bayless Jones or Treston Ebner, like they've been on the field enough now that we can start to draw some conclusions. It doesn't mean they're a lost cause. Like I, I know Mike at the beginning talking about if Ryan Poles really, you know, it's going to be like, I cut him now. Like there's no reason to do that. Like that's, that's I, I get why Mike is saying that. Cause he's frustrated with the way that's going, but like, these are kids on rookie deals. You got to fill out a 53 man roster in a practice squad. But I understand the concerns with those guys, right? Um, we've seen enough now. Like I said, we're getting a large enough sample size that there's reason for concerns. And the thing is, it's only one year for Ryan Poles, so you gotta—you don't want to take this overboard. But I think if you have a certain expectation, or if you feel like there's a certain path that the Bears should take this off season, and it's not the path that they do take. And that's going to range. I'm 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 saying your own personal opinion, and you're already worried about Ryan Poles, and he doesn't take that. That's going to cause some people to get very aggravated really quickly. And I kind of understand it though, because like you wanted to see more out of his first year in terms of guys that are going to be usable for this rebuild.
1: Well, especially with with what we're talking about, where you know they they didn't do a whole lot in free agency. You didn't have a lot to be excited about, and and I think most Bears fans. Uh, you know, when, when that situation goes down in March, you turn your, your attention to the draft and you say, okay, this is where, where our guy Ryan Poles is going to find his dudes. And, and, you know, he's found a couple and, and there's some question marks on a couple and, and you know what, that's how it's going to be every year. You know, not all your draft picks are going to pan out, uh, especially once you start talking day two, day three, um, well, really anytime, but you, you want your first round picks to pan out. But, um, you know, I, I think I would not cut valus jones at this point i wouldn't cut trust in ebner you know no, with, with no. any of these rookies a whole nother offseason is going to be so so valuable to, to be in the offense for another year and and to work with that strength and, and training staff for another year uh you know you can't cut bait on these guys now well and i feel good about the coaching staff and their ability to develop players like at this
0: point i i, I do uh you know f- just the fact that we've seen this improvement out of Justin Fields. I think should give you faith that these guys, and, and Tevin Jenkins, I mean, that's, and Jack Sandborn I mean, there's there are three names right there that we've seen considerable improvement from. Braxton Jones, another guy, I mean, has certainly had his struggles at times this year, but getting more out of him than you expected. So there are signs that this coaching staff can develop players. Um, now, again, I, I think it's completely understandable if you have some questions about Ryan Poles um, and uh, so like T, T3P uh, uh in here talked about Poles turned four picks to 11. He has five starters. They have five starters because they need five bodies, man. Like these guys have to play like that doesn't mean they're good. Just because you have starters just doesn't mean they're good starters. And I'm not saying that they're going to be bust either, but like, just because they're
1: starters doesn't mean that they're performing like well enough that you should have drafted them. It's funny because you look at, at, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about, about the roster construction and, you know, Oh, could the bears be the Eagles in two years and all that stuff. And you look at the roster that the Eagles have and, and especially in those trenches uh, offensive and defensive lines, they have so many veterans in those spots, and that's just not where the Bears are. You know, the Bears have these young guys, first and second year players playing on that offensive line, uh, first and second year players or, or third year players, I guess, in, in Travis Gibson uh, on that defensive line. And uh, uh, Dominique Robinson, a rookie, it, you know, that's just not it, it, the Bears have starters uh, from that draft class out of necessity. You know, they don't have anybody else to put there. Yeah,
0: I mean that's what I'm. And, <laughs> uh, he T three P now, trying to to go through the starters. Punter, and, 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 <laughs> yeah, bringing up the punter as as an example. No, I mean like uh, you should be in. So for for the concerns of Ryan Poles being some of these draft picks, some of the are you know you can be the other side of that is Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon look like solid. We we're talking about the secondary earlier, like they look like really solid players. Um, particularly, I really like what I've seen from Jaquan Brisker. Kyle Gordon has had some really good upside plays, but had been more inconsistent. If he can get the consistency up, or if he can be a more consistent player, I think he's going to be a lot better shape. Um, and I do think that's going to come. So there, there are certainly, I, I'm not trying to say like all hope is lost, uh, on Ryan Poles, but I also like, you just can't tell me he has five starters because you know, like, that's just, that's not right. I mean, I mean, technically it's right, but let that, that's, just being silly. Um, but at the same time, there are legit reasons to have question marks and concerns
1: going into this off season. It's a big, big offseason to me for Ryan Poles. Oh, I think, I think it's a huge offseason for Ryan Poles. I mean, the whole last year was, was basically to set up, uh, you know, from, from here moving forward at the end of this season, uh, you know, you're putting yourself in position with the, with the cap space and, and with the draft picks and, uh, now you gotta you gotta start to follow through on on with some of that available um, uh, capital and and well now you know, now you you know now you know Justin
0: Fields is for real that doesn't mean that there's not developing that, that was a big that was a big part of this
1: season is so you, figuring out yeah,
0: if you had, if that's the, the case you now cannot afford to buy time like he's on a rookie deal he is the real deal he's gonna continue to develop your window is now open it doesn't mean you're gonna win the Super Bowl next year that's not what I'm saying. Well, we saw that with, with how quickly it opened up for Cincinnati. That's how quickly it can happen in the NFL when you find a quarterback. They paper over so much. So, yeah, Ryan Poles has to have a good offseason.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's really important for the Bears that that's the case. And, um, you know, it's obviously this team has a lot of holes to fix, and, and he has a lot of work to do. But uh, I think anybody would be excited to see what, what he's going to come up with here uh, over the next couple of months once the season is over. Mike might might be saying
0: polls claiming Alex Wood is highly alarming. It was at, it was at the time and has been confirmed double over now, but like there's, there was no risk. I mean, what's the risk of the only risk is you're
1: taking on his contract, but they have so much cap space that I don't even think that really matters. Yeah, And
0: you're, you're bringing a guy like I liked Alex Lillewood coming out of college. I know Mike be well enough. He's a good friend. I know Mike liked him coming out of college. He was in a, in a system last year, that, that I mean, what happened in Vegas was a complete dumpster fire last year. You saw with uh, you just saw it with Tevin Jenkins in terms of a guy that was a highly thought pick, getting his feet and getting the the right you know confidence underneath him. So I I don't have a problem with Ryan Poles saying so that was a kid that I liked coming out of college from Alabama that you know, let's get him in here with the right people to guide him and see if we can get it on on track. It doesn't look like it's working, but, like, I don't think that you should read anything into that long-term for Ryan Poles. Like, the there anything that's happened in season, I guess, like uh, claiming Alex Leatherwood, I don't think I'm – I think that's ridiculous to put that on on Ryan Poles. Now, if you want to have concerns about last year's draft and free agency, that's fine, but claiming Alex Leatherwood is just – that's just piling on for no reason.
1: There's, you know, you always want to throw darts at the board and see what sticks. And this year, especially, I think Ryan Poles could throw as many darts as he wanted because of where the roster was at. Um, And and so, you know, he did that with Alex Leatherwood. He's done that with Nikhil Harry. Uh, There's, there's other examples. Can't think of them off the top of my head, but, you know, just, just get some guys in here who've been, struggling in other places or overlooked, whatever, and and see what your coaching staff can do. I have no problem with moves like that this year, especially now, you know, if you're a team that's, that's battling for the NFC North division every year, uh, you know, different story, different situation, but, but in a year where you got three wins and, and, you know, you're probably not going to win a lot of games. I have no problem with that.
0: Yeah. I uh, want to quickly get a word for our sponsor in before I forget. Marengo Guns, always buying, always paying top dollar for your guns, ammo, and military items. Come see the expert at Marengo's Guns, open 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. And now uh want to go in with uh, Timothy Wire checking in with us here. Gordon playing slot corner, learning a new position for him. Yeah, like, don't, don't take me... Uh, and I'm not trying to be overly critical of Kyler Gordon's played well um, and mm-hmm. you should feel good about him. Um, there have been some inconsistencies uh, that he needs to correct. I think he will. And that, that's a good point. He is learning a, 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 a new system and, you know, you look back it kind of a similar arc to me as Jalen Johnson and a little bit similar players. I feel like um, because like Jalen Johnson, obviously now we're talking about one of the, the better cornerbacks in the entire nfl but you go back to his rookie year he did play really well his rookie year but he also had some of these inconsistencies they're still rookies even very good rookies are going to have these inconsistencies um i think he's doing a really good job overall
1: look we talk about it all the time but that that slot corner spot is is the toughest spot for those defensive backs you know you have to be you're, you're 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 playing in tighter closer to the line of scrimmage and and you have to be prepared to, to help in the run game and there's a million different responsibilities that you don't necessarily have when you're when you're on the outside and and I think it's really impressive that Kyler has been able to play that spot at all as a rookie I mean the fact that he could step in there from from week one and do that is, is really impressive and that in itself should be a a positive sign for Bears fans because you know, you can, you can keep developing on that. He's going to get better in that spot. Uh, And and two, you know, you could always throw him outside and and he's, he's obviously shown that he's capable of playing both spots. And that's a really good thing for a rookie. Uh, Yeah.
0: It's his versatility uh, utility. And then you talk about when you combine that with what they have with Jaquan Brisker and his kind of uh, versatility and you combine that essentially Altogether with those guys allowing Eddie Jackson to do what he does best when healthy, hopefully, um, it sounds like they got better news on Eddie Jackson than than potentially. You know, when you're talking about foot injuries, I believe it it was a Liz Frank injury that yeah, doesn't require. Yeah, Liz so. Frank. Yeah. Li, yeah, Liz Frank uh, is a really concerning injury because those can heal. Re- like you never know how they're going to heal. Mm-hmm. but the fact that he doesn't have to have surgery is already a good sign for Eddie Jackson to be able to maybe I, it's hard to speculate right now, but like mm-hmm. that gives you the, the potential that he'll be ready to go come training camp. Um, i not before. Um, so that's a good sign because you, I, you that you go into this off season with your secondary intact uh, going back. Cause Mike had followed up about, I, I, he does bring up a good point about Ryan Pohl's background, being in the offensive the line. And then Rick had followed it up. Uh, with something that kind of built on it. And I, I do get it when you start putting the stuff together here. Uh, so like Rick talked about, and Poles wanted to get rid of Tevin talking about Tevin Jenkins and everything that happened in the off season. And he's turned into maybe a pro bowler. So I'm very worried about Poles and Lyman. See Lat- Lucas Patrick. Yeah. I mean, so when you do, when you do combine the, the fact that uh, Lucas Patrick was, you know, kind of their big addition for the offensive line that was going to have that, that Mahler type guy in at center, and it certainly hasn't worked out. Now, the questions could be the injuries. I mean, he was injured before the season even started. So you he never
1: want- played that. He played that center position for like a quarter.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, I do want to put an asterisk there, but I do understand what you're saying because I think a lot of us had questions about Lucas Patrick when that signing was made. Um, and Tevin Jenkins, yeah, that is concerning. Um, uh, so when you combine those things with Alex Leatherwood, I get the narrative that's coming together there. And if we get into next season and the offensive line is still an issue, it's still a major issue, I don't expect that it's gonna also be a probable line. But if it's still a major issue, I think what you guys are saying right now, I'm gonna be circling back and agreeing with you guys and saying that you were on the ball. But I think you're you're jumping to a conclusion too early based on early evidence. I think we need an, at least one more offseason to see where this goes.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's important to, and, and we'll never know the answer, but but it's important to question whether, particularly with the Lucas Patrick thing, you know, uh, sure, you can knock that signing, and that was a big offensive lineman signing, uh, but, you know, w- was Ryan Poles really expecting him to come in here and be more than than just a, a one-year paper-over uh, try to get something figured out at that center position. Uh, I know he's got a two-year deal, but they could easily get out of that. Uh, you know, he could be back certainly next year, um, but I don't, I don't necessarily, it depends what Ryan Poles was looking at that signing as, you know, it, it, is that supposed to be your long-term answer uh, at that center spot? I don't know that it necessarily was. Uh, that could still be a position that they're looking at this off season. Huh, and that, that
0: kind of, would bother me if that was the case, because then you're looking at, and that was only a two year deal that as you're right, that they can easily get out after one year. But if that's the case, what did you get out of this free agent class?
1: Oh yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair question. Absolutely.
0: And I, I I get it. Like this was a teardown, and they wanted to find out what Justin Fields had. But again, we kind of got to it. And, and what I was, I guess, alluding to with the Tennessee Titans talk is trying to fix everything in one off season. You're already way ahead of the ball because like I said, you you're, you're papered over with Justin Fields being what he appears to be. But now like you have, you've closed the window or you've made the path much narrower for yourself because you didn't get anything useful out of that first year in terms of free agency. So the question is, was that by design as you were saying, we're going going to know, or did they miss like on a Lucas Patrick? Did they hope Larry o- Ogan Joby, who they wanted to be their nose tackle, and obviously that didn't work out? Like, were they hoping maybe those were the two guys that were going to come out of this? Was it the incorrect way to go? Like, you know, should they have had more faith in Justin Fields and taken a bigger swing at wide receiver and, you know, potentially had found something? I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell right now. Um, I, that's, I guess, the talk we're going to end up getting into this offseason. And, and there's no no sat- satisfactory answer right now. Um, but
1: I don't know. Uh,
0: where do you want to go from here,
1: Sean? Yeah. Well, well, Kyle, I mean, it's, it's, we've been, we've been saying for a couple of weeks now, Oh, we're, we're not quite ready to talk about the draft or free agency, but I think it's time you and I got to start studying up. Cause we got, we only got three games left here. And, and that conversation is going to turn real quick.
0: Well, and you know, let's, let's quickly hit on the fact that the bears are now in really good position to have the second overall pick the Broncos win yesterday the Brett Ripien uh beating uh Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley and god that was a brutal football game I knew it was uh that was a brutal brutal uh game and I you know I kind of thought Denver had a chance to win that I mean Arizona isn't very good when they're healthy then you lose Kyler Gordon um so you know I'm sure the Bears uh had a little bit of a the front office, Ryan Poles was probably celebrating a little bit yesterday because whether they end up using that second pick or not, like every pick notch up on the, on the belt there, um, you know, it's another bite at the apple for a a premier player or more ammo to trade down with, you know?
1: Yeah. So they are alone in that second spot. Now Uh, one game lead over lead. I, I say leads like in air quotes, one game lead over Denver and Arizona for that number two spot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Hugh, Kyle Houston was giving the Chiefs a run yesterday. I mean, uh, they got a couple winnable games at the end of the schedule here, and, and, man, if they picked up a win over the Chiefs, that would have put the Bears in even even a better spot.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we kind of had a chance there. Um, I, I, you, you look at the last three games for the Bears, yeah, it's outside of that Week 18 game. I mean, and, and listen, the Bears are clearly showing they're close enough. To where they could beat that Detroit team, I, I'm gonna get our our, our Don Bird in there. They shouldn't beat that Detroit team. They Detroit Detroit's is playing, playing really well. Detroit's playing really well, but what I'm saying is like the NFL is still the NFL, and weird things happen. And and Detroit's not a great team. They're a much improved team. I think you saw it. Well, I say that then the Minnesota fight. How did the Vikings win that game?
1: You know, I didn't catch any of that game, Kyle. I I heard this i was driving out to the suburbs and i heard the score on the radio it was 30 to nothing and i said whoa that's surprising and then you know an hour later i checked my phone and it was a tie game and i said what (laughs) yeah just absolutely wild but what i was trying what i'm i guess i'm trying to get at there is like
0: because detroit doesn't have an elite quarterback um jared Goff. they're doing well enough around him and he's making enough plays that they're winning some games but, like, you can have an issue where Kirk Cousins goes out and throws a bunch of picks in the first half, and all of a sudden the Bears find themselves – like that's what I'm saying when it comes to – I expect the Bears to lose all three of these games. They should lose all three of these games. But, like, they could beat Detroit. They could beat Minnesota. Minnesota, as we saw, is is not a perfect team. They might not have much to play for anyway Week 18. So they're not solidified into that second pick, but they definitely are in position to get it. Um, Want to go hit a couple more questions that we hit 45 minutes and get ready to get out of here pretty soon. T3, uh, T3P T three podcast says, you didn't have any faith in Justin Fields. Uh, I think he was referring to me. Um, I think he might be referring to to Ryan Poles. Yeah, I mean, stage. that's what, if you were referring to me, I was referring to Ryan Poles and I didn't say that he didn't have any faith in, in Justin Fields. I'm saying that I think it's clear that he said, prove it. He decided that I don't want to tie myself to a quarterback that I might feel good about, but I don't know it. And I don't know exactly where he's at after a year and what was a disaster under Matt Nagy, right? That doesn't mean he didn't have any faith, but he didn't have enough faith to take big swings in free agency. So... Maybe that's uh, an indictment of him that he didn't have enough faith in him.
1: Uh, no, but for says, myself... Well, says, yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: I see it now he pops in myself. Uh, I... I kind of had the same concerns about... And maybe I'm projecting onto Ryan Poles here. Um, because I believed in the potential for Justin Fields in the athleticism. Uh, I worried about the, the... What happened last year. I worried about... Uh, the beating he was going to take behind a bad offensive line and i worried that we weren't going to see him processing a f- the field quicker because it didn't progress last year at all and that was wondering okay is that justin fields that isn't learning to read the field or is that bad coaching i think clearly now we can chop that up to bad coaching and what i'm saying is i think ryan Poles probably needed to do that as well you can watch all the tape in the world and listen to, he's an nfl gm all these guys are better i'm some guy in a room these guys have a better sure. idea than i do but i've covered enough football to see the patterns to know that there's a reason they operate in the way they do so if he was a hundred percent in on justin fields they would have operated a bit differently doesn't mean they would have spent a ton of money but I think they would have operated a bit differently. It's not saying that they didn't don't think that he could be there, but they were being cautious.
1: And the fact that they went out and made the 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 deadline trade for Chase Claypool, I think, shows that that they came to that conclusion that yeah, this guy is going to be a part of our plans next year and the year after, and and we got to get him another weapon because we just don't have uh, we didn't set him up up with enough weapons before the season. At, at some
0: yeah, at some point. It was not, it was after the draft. I don't know if it was during it could have been during mini camps, it could have been during uh, training camp. I'm guessing it was some point in season, though, because you look at the way things have progressed, the way they changed the offense going back to that that pseudo buy Everything is progressing in a way that the the best reason to feel good is things are progressing in a natural way where they're making adjustments based on what they see on the field. And that's happening both with the coaching staff and in the approach of the front office. Now they put themselves or painted themselves in the corner this year, when we're talking about putting guys like Treston Ebner and Bayless Jones on the field that aren't ready because of the approach that they took. Um, But I think that they get it is what, at the end of the day, but there were some doubts about Justin Fields, and I think they were reasonable doubts, but those should be gone now. Like I said it a couple of weeks ago, I think he's elite. I, I think within maybe by next year, by the middle of the next year, we're going to be talking about him as an MVP candidate. I think he's that good, and he's got work to do. But the fact that the progression is happening at a steady clip, this isn't something where it's stop and go, where we have, you know, you think back to like the second year with Mitch Trubisky. Maybe maybe it was the second year. Yeah, it was the first year under Matt Nagy. And, like, Mm -hmm. Mitch had a Pro Bowl year. But you look at – you think back in it, and there were stretches. Like, he'd have four or five games where he was really good, and you'd start to say to yourself, oh, maybe Mitch is turning the corner. But there was always things that made you worry. And then he'd have two or three games in a row. That was just a disaster. You're not seeing that with Justin Fields. You're seeing a steady progression from him. And you're not just seeing a steady progression, but you're seeing the electric plays that come on top of that because of who he is. And when you put those two things together, I think you should have all the faith in the world that Justin Fields is not going to be the issue for this franchise over the next few years.
1: With, with Mitch, it was the, the boneheaded interceptions and mistakes. And really, I I really only think Justin Fields has had one of those all season that, that interception to Jeff Okuda against the Lions. Uh, where it was just a terrible throw, shouldn't have thrown it. Whatever, um, you know. Other than that, I don't. You know, you don't see those crippling mistakes, uh, which you know, when you have a guy who can who can rip off the runs that he's ripping off. I mean, that's that's a, a great recipe right there. Uh, but yeah, and, and so I'm going to cut
0: you off yeah, because even even there was a couple plays yesterday where you're seeing the progression of him or the evolution of his game where. Not just passing the ball, running the ball. There was a play early. Daryl Johnson actually commented on it. He picked up a first down and he could have probably got another four or five yards, but he slid. Like he used his athleticism to make a big play, get a first down, move the chain. But instead of trying to get another 15 or 20 yards, as he ended up doing on that ridiculous play down the sideline mm-hmm. where it looked like he may have scored. And he, that's why, like, that's the next level thing that's going to make this so much fun. But what is going to make him an elite player? is how smart he is and how quickly he's learning. Because as Daryl Johnson pointed out, he got down on that play after getting the first down. And then another example in the passing game, that touchdown to uh, David Montgomery, that was a play where he could have tried to run that up the middle. He could have tried to force that onto the back line of the end zone. He made the proper adjustment. That was a really good slow angled arm slot to get that ball underneath and out to David Montgomery in a position where Montgomery could not just catch it, but not have to make an adjustment and then wait. He caught that ball in stride because where Justin placed that and was able to
1: turn up field and easily get into the end zone. Those are the type of things that are really encouraging. That touchdown pass is the, the type of play, uh, you know, that, that you watch it on on TV and you say, okay, he threw a 10 yard touchdown pass or whatever it was. Uh, but you know, the, the quarterback nerds out there are going to look at that and, and, you know, it, the, the guys who are, are are trying to play this position really high, at a really high level are going to look at that and say, you know, that was a big-time throw, the way he changed that arm yes. angle and, and, and made uh, got he, the ball out there to David.
0: We know he can make the difficult throws. He has mm-hmm. the arm and the ball placement, the talent to do that. It's when recognizing when to do it and when to, to use his athleticism to make the easier play, though, to say, okay, I don't need to force this. Well, I waited too long because I was looking there. He's overcoming the fact that he waited too long to look into the end zone maybe and now is making the adjustments to what pressure is coming on him and using those arm slots and to make the play and get the extra yardage out of him. And the, that is so incredibly encouraging.
1: Kyle, did you hear the quote yesterday where where Justin was asked about rushing for 1,000 yards and, and he said, uh, I, I don't want to do this every year? Did yeah. you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know that's that's exactly it like he realizes what wins uh you know in today's NFL and and that next step of his game is is going to continue to be in in the passing game he's proven everything he needs to prove with his legs I mean you're the third quarterback ever to rush for a thousand yards uh when he says he doesn't want to do that every year that's because he knows like it's been almost out of necessity this year uh that has been what has gotten them first downs and has gotten them in the end zone and so they're gonna stick with it he's gonna keep doing it uh you know he said well I, i've come this far i might as well try to go go get lamar's uh, 2019 record he's about 200 yards shy um but you know there's that realization that you know the next step of this offense is going to be to get another weapon in here to to really work on this passing attack and and to be to be um you know rolling uh, that way and and then you know, the threat of his legs is always going to be there. Uh if he can if he can continue to progress in the passing game, that's gonna just open so many things up for him. His his his
0: his athleticism and the run game is always going to be a threat that is almost unrivaled in the history of the league. And at the top of the league, better than Josh Allen, better than Jalen Hurts. I mean, those and those guys are elite runners. And part of that though is when you combine a special athlete and both of those guys are along with Justin Fields. But when you really start talking elite, like Joe Burrows and Patrick Mahomes are both a step slower, but they're very good athletes, but they look like you, Joe Burrow, even despite the injuries has been breaking some pretty long runs. I think might've been yesterday. He had a touchdown run. I can't remember. He's had some run because like, what happens is those guys, as they get better, as they start, as the football game at the NFL level starts to slow down for them. those natural instincts and athleticism start to outweigh everything else on the field. And they're able, like those guys see the field better than so many others. So like, yeah, they're natural athletes to begin with, but when they also are able to see the field better than your normal person, like they, they look that much faster is what I, I guess I'm trying to say. And Justin Fields appears to be getting that part of the game. Like not just the athleticism, but the processing of the game, it's slowing down. And when you're going to be able to combine those two things, it's going to be special.
1: We we were talking with Justin about this earlier in the week before the game, and and he couldn't quite put it into words. Somebody asked him something about, uh, you know, that that comfortability. And, and, and yeah, he's out there, and, and you can almost see it in, in the way he's playing. Like, he's no longer second-guessing himself. He's not uh, – uh, he's not – necessarily slow you know sometimes he might be slow in 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 throwing the football or whatever but he understands what's going on around him and and I really think that has just come with with playing more football and and that's been a big uh not just playing more football but but also like playing more football in this offense and I think the fact that you know the Bears should be in the same offense next year uh you know I don't think Luke Getzi is going anywhere yet I I would be surprised if that happens as quickly but um that's only going to help matters uh with justin and, and his his level of, of comfortability uh back there in the pocket
0: yeah i i agree i don't think getsy's going uh anywhere after this year uh, another year with luke getsy in this system i i do think uh fluidity or, or or what's the word i'm looking for continuity that's what i'm looking for continuity um is going to be big for justin fields this off season just because i to get to that next level i Clearly, this coaching staff uh, for any concerns you have, the coaching staff is doing a good job unlocking him. So, yeah, keeping Luke Getzi, keeping this coaching staff intact is it's going to be a big deal. I, I do think that's going to be the case. Uh, and the
1: Eagles, get- the Eagles. Sorry to cut you off one more time. No, you're good. The, the Eagles talk talk about that all the time with Jalen Hurts. Is you know he went through like five different coordinators in five different years before you know going all the way back, uh, maybe even to to high school. I, I can't remember exactly, but um until Nick Sirianni got here in Philadelphia and and there's been some continuity from year one to year two under him
0: yeah all right well we're getting towards an hour here just about there so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up we got one more question from Rick that we didn't get to Sean so we'll close it out with that um and then uh you know looking what we got Bears are off this week because they play on Saturday so we won't do a usual Friday show you want to do Thursday morning, just move we, things up? a day? We, uh,
1: Let's talk about it afterwards.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, pay attention to our Twitter account. We got to figure out a schedule with the Bears having a, a different week. Uh, we will be back to preview uh, some Bears bills. That's going to be a, another interesting game this week, but we'll close it out here. Rick had the question about Jaquan Brisker. Can we talk about Jaquan Brisker still uh, are still making mental errors in week 14? Is that more the player or the coaching of the player?
1: It's hard to say. I mean, I think he's referring to that blitz play where, where Jalen hurts ran right up the middle for the touchdown. And, and it appeared that, that brisker maybe picked the wrong, the wrong gap to blitz or, or, you know, the something closed up there and he wasn't really able to, to get where he needed to go. And, and Jalen hurts sort of went right up the gut and scored a 20 something yard touchdown. And I don't know if it's hard to say who that's on. Um, You know, I, I, kind of think that might in that particular situation that might be on Britsker, but uh, you know, without knowing exactly what the call is, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, Brisker has been a really good blitzer all season. So it, it's a little surprising to, to see something like that. Uh, uh, but maybe at the same time, you know, you're not going to connect on every single one of those. And um, you know, certainly they, they, they didn't really leave themselves much help behind him. Once he, once he missed hurts, I mean, there was nobody there.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what happened on that specific play. So talking about like a mental error coaching, in that one specific instance, I can't say. I will say overall, I think Jaquan Brisker has been really good, Rick. I think it's going back to the same thing I said about like Jalen Johnson, his rookie year, it's, uh, and Kyler Gordon this year. It's the same boat. Like I think you're seeing really good instincts and really good athleticism. Even good young players are going to make mistakes. Um, if it continues to be an issue well into his second season, then those are concerns that it's either something that he can't fix or it's a coaching issue. Um, but there's enough positives that I wouldn't I wouldn't be at all concerned by occasional mishaps yet. Uh, here, quickly, I'll follow up. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Ipsen chimed in with Iberflue said in the press conference that safety went to the wrong gap. So there you go. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone who went ahead and joined us today. It was great. Always love everyone, uh, everyone in here in the chat. Helps us guide the show. If you're on YouTube, do us a favor, subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up, leave a comment. Everything you do like that helps more people find the show for us. It helps uh, give us some feedback, know what you guys want to talk about. Make sure that we uh, know we're not just on here talking to ourselves. We appreciate all the interaction. One more time, make sure you go to shawlocal.com. We're going to have everything for you here wrapping up the week 15 game between the bears and the eagles we will dive into bears bills sean and i'll be back later in the week until then everyone enjoyed the last week of holiday week a lot of people on vacation i know it's freezing cold out try and stay warm out there and enjoy the week with that we're gonna go ahead and sign off we'll talk to you later everyone